0: Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Valani, news director Lori Brooks, and now from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. This is
1: not your father's pet talk, boy. That really ages me, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 we a little. Uh, we don't just talk about your dogs and your cats. We talk about your horses. Dr. Debbie will give advice on sugar gliders, reindeer, pigs. Turkeys. Tortoises. She talks about tortoise. I guess, is, it, is plural on tortoise, torti, Or is it like, is like a family of tortoises like tortillas?
2: I, I don't know. Like, we're not going to call them tortellini, you know? <laughs> like, I would call them tortoises. Sure,
1: okay. But yeah, no, I
2: don't, I don't call them tortoise. I know.
1: Let's see, what else? Fish. Hamsters, iguanas, flamingos, uh, capybaras. Is that what they call them?
2: Yeah, the capybara looks like the, uh, to me, they look like a cross between a potbelly pig and a very large guinea pig.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So whatever animal you have, we're ready for you. And you don't necessarily have to have a problem with your animal. We just like to check in with you because we're a whole bunch of animal lovers here at Animal Radio. Lori Brooks, of course, in the newsroom full of bulldogs. She has a newsroom full of bulldogs. Mm-hmm. That's that's her yeah. thing. That's her bag is bulldogs. Doctor Debbie bring occasionally didn't bring in any dogs today. She just brought
2: a cold in today. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. yeah, you know, I I just I knew I was getting to that whether it's a cold or it's my seasonal allergies or a combination thereof. I knew it was getting in the season when the pollens are all flying and uh you yeah, know, I just got run down. That's all. Not sleeping well and, you know,
1: I get it. You've been working tough. You've been working hard. And in fact It's
2: been busy, yeah. It's been really busy at work and you know, you just kinda gotta do what you gotta do.
1: Yeah. What do you think are the top five busiest days for veterinarians? As a veterinarian, you should be able to take a good stab at this. This is research done by Wompley. They've determined the top five days for veterinarians.
2: Top five days that are busy? I mean, I I would say any day right after a holiday.
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. definitely.
2: The day after the holiday, any time. Um, you know, I guess, you know, Halloween um, is is definitely a big one. Um, and then the 4th of July, um, that's another big one, though, um, or or the day after the 4th of July, just from um, injuries. The other thing we've been seeing a lot of, I would say, is just with nice warm spring weather coming. Um, warm weather gets people out with your animals, and we've been seeing oodles of dog fights. Um, oh. mm-hmm. People take them hiking. They take take them to the dog park, they take them walking, and just, you know, everyone's excited to be out with their dogs, and maybe not always the most thoughtful about the situation that they're getting into. Are they
4: off-leash, or do you know? uh,
2: Combinations thereof. You know, know, sometimes it's, you know, dog parks, um, sometimes it's dogs walking, uh, other times, yeah, hiking. We do a lot of, you know, hiking in the areas around our area, and uh, so, you know, there's a lot of dogs off-leash, and most are well-behaved, but, you know, it's when someone who likes the idea of taking their dog hiking and re- really hasn't tested them. They, they've not been acclimated to it. And, you know, a poorly socialized pet in that situation can really set off a problem for other dogs that can tolerate it and behave well.
1: Well, you're right. The busiest day for veterinarians, according to Wompley, is July 2nd, the 4th of July week, July 2nd, just mm. before July 4th. The second okay. busiest day is June 1st, June 4th, July 3rd. And then July 9th, round out the top five. And then uh, with Labor Day is the sixth busiest day of the year, and the day after Memorial Day, the seventh busiest day of the year. Your wow. results may vary depending on where you live and, and of mm-hmm. course, what kind of environments your dogs are in. Judy's like signaling me. You go to the phones, right? Is yes. yes. Okay. So me we're going to go to, is this for Dr. Debbie we're taking a call?
5: Yes, let's go for one for Dr. Debbie right now.
1: Hi, Veronica. How are you doing today?
6: i'm fine how are you
1: very good where are you calling from
6: um actually i'm in virginia right now virginia is for lovers that's what they say <laughs> uh we were driving through uh, north carolina and we picked up your show oh. and um i want to ask you a question
1: absolutely i have the whole team here for you what's going on
6: okay so basically my maltese has um she has cataracts and we'd love to have them removed for her um, she, but the problem is, she has um, diabetes, and she's also a Cushing's. Um, you know, she's battling both uh, diseases.
2: She's got the double whammy, yeah. But,
6: yes, it's it's very very tough for her. But she's stabilized. We you know um, we have her um, at a good point in the medicine uh, department. Um, it took us a while to get there, but um, there's no you know peaks or she's. She's just very comfortable with whatever the vets have come up with. But we thought maybe at this point we could proceed with removing the cataracts. Okay. Um, So far, one or two vets have told us that they wouldn't recommend it. But I was just thinking maybe I would ask you.
2: Yeah, so I think when we look at cataracts and um, the, the causes of those in, in dogs, just for those that aren't familiar, some some dogs can acquire them with age. Um, with diabetic um, dogs, they're very prone to developing cataracts and about three quarters of diabetic dogs will actually develop cataracts, sometimes very quickly after they're diagnosed with diabetes, sometimes it can be months or years later. Once we have established cataracts, um, we know that those cataracts leak out proteins that can cause problems in the eye causing what we call uveitis, inflammation, um, that can also lead to things like glaucoma and other eye issues that can be problematic, um, especially in a pet that has a chronic condition like diabetes and Cushing's. So um, it is certainly something I like to look at and consider cataract removal if it's um, in the pet's best interest for their quality of life and to eliminate one other thing you know for the pet owner to have to um, juggle is you know the lack of vision. So with Cushing's disease and diabetes, um, you know, if those are well controlled, then I'd say technically she would be a candidate for, for surgery, but um, I'm not the veterinarian on the ground that is examining your pet. So I, I would have to say, you know, I would value their um, hands-on opinion as to whether or not she was a good candidate for that. Um, but in general, if those conditions are well controlled, then it would be something to consider. Um her age, you know, she's quite advanced in her age. 14 is certainly getting up there. And, and we always look at, you know, something like a major eye surgery um, as, you know, is this going to give us an improved quality of life for um, a meaningful period of her life? And that is something I think between you and an ophthalmologist to decide. Um, I too would share a, maybe a bit of hesitation in a 14 year old to say, you know, let's do a cataract surgery just based on that age. And, you know, if I had that crystal ball and could say she'd live till 16, then And I say, gosh, you know, that'd be well worth um, putting her through that and the investment in time. Um, But if she doesn't live all that much longer, then, you know, we would hate for that to be kind of, you know, something we do at the the very end of her her lifespan. Um, Have you had her evaluated at an ophthalmology office? No, I have not. Um,
6: I just uh, took the direction from uh, two vets one well, three, actually, okay. um, and, gotcha. they, and now you fourth. So, fourth. Okay, sure. Um, uh, they, you know, are, going under, you know, full anesthetic is not uh, what they're recommending for her. But would there be an alternative um, solution to have them removed? Because I know when a- people have them um, removed, they just take some uh, sedative and relaxes, you know, they're relaxed under a sedative and then the cataracts yeah. are removed. Would that be something that they would do for uh, my dog?
2: No, unfortunately not, because with with people, um, you know, we can be reasoned with and told how to kind of behave, even with a sedative on board. With dogs, you know, we cannot have any kind of movement. It's, you know, such a delicate area. Um, mm-hmm. there's just, it's just not something that can be risked to be done without general anesthesia. Um, you know, as far as alternatives to surgery, once you have cataracts, um, there's really not a whole lot. Once they're there, they're there. And we do more other things like trying to manage the inflammation from the cataract with a topical anti inflammatory. Um, If a pet doesn't yet have cataracts or is just in the early stages, there are some things that have been looked at to help um, delay the progression of cataracts. But once you're there, no, there's not really going to be anything else. But there are some supplements, and and, uh, there's one called Ocuglo that's um, useful before a pet gets uh, a cataract or even some retinal diseases, and and that's been shown by ophthalmologists and FDA research to to help um, slow the progression. Um, but unfortunately, yeah. I don't think that there's going to be a lot they can offer short of surgical removal and just controlling any kind of inflammation that might be occurring related to those cataracts.
3: Um,
2: mm. But you know, yeah. you know, the best the best advice that I would say is you could set up a visit with a veterinary ophthalmologist and and find out the realities on the surgery side. And if that's a no-go and your veterinarians that know the internal medicine part of your pet say that's a no-go too, then then I think that would help to answer your questions there. Um, oh. But I, I just had a dog, I think she was 12 years old the other day and she just had her cataracts removed and, um, you know, that went wonderful for her. So, um, you know, every patient's different, but, you know, it certainly can be considered.
1: Yeah. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for calling today. We appreciate you listening to Animal Radio. Well, I'm delighted to tell you this portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Now, listen up. In just a couple of seconds, I'm going to give you a promo code to save 10% off your next purchase. In fact, all of your purchases over at Red Barn. Now, these guys not only support Animal Radio and get behind the health of your pet, they're now in the kibble business yeah, your favorite dog treat company is now selling kibble. And I'm looking at the side of the package with the ingredients. The first five ingredients feature real animal protein. That's how you know it's good. It's going to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. That's because your dog, well, they love meat. And these guys, Red Barn, they love your dog. Now get ready to save 10% any you go over to their website, Just use the promo code ANIMALRADIO, that's all one word, ANIMALRADIO, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So I encourage you to go on over there. Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, loves their treats, especially their chewables, dental bones. She'll play with them for about a half hour or so before she eats it. They make a great chew bone, and they're just one of the great products that Red Barn makes. And you could get 10% off anything red barn has over at their website at redbarn.com, just put in the promo code animal radio once again head on over to redbarn.com and put in animal radio and you'll get 10% off your purchase and thanks red barn for underwriting animal radio
7: or medicare you might be eligible for a cgm with little or no cost to you call u.s medical supply today for a free benefits check we offer free shipping 90 day supplies and we bill medicare or your insurance directly call now and say goodbye to finger pricks
8: 800-785-1673 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673.
9: This is Judith Chapman from Young and the Restless at CBS, and I'm on Animal Radio right now, and I'm asking everyone out there to please spay and neuter your pets.
0: Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Judy
1: has just informed me that Kitty Cleary, the model and the actress and the filmmaker, Katie Cleary, will be joining us. Before the show is out today, she loves her animals, doesn't she?
5: She does. She has a lot of animals does herself. She? Yes, she does.
1: Are they just dogs or cats? or
5: We'll have to find out.
1: Okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. I also see up on the uh, big old grease board here that there's a call about dogs laughing.
4: What is a grease yeah. board, by the way?
1: It's this white board over The Big over white here. board,
4: right? <laughs> that one right there in front of you. That's called a grease I, board. I
5: you know, didn't know the name of it. I don't
4: know why it's called a grease because
1: board. Because you use these grease you pens on it? Grease
2: markers. Uh-oh. A, so we okay. use like the little wipe on markers. Right. Yeah. A dry erase board. That's it. That's it. Right. It's okay. a dry there erase. That's it.
3: Okay. I'm okay.
2: picturing like chicken fat that you're like rubbing on this Me wall. There's <laughs> some <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Then I can use it to board. feed the dogs afterwards
5: as a
1: treat. So, yeah, it doubles.
5: Yes, it, it is does. double duty. Multifunctional studio here in Adam Radio. Okay, oh
1: we got to go to the phones. Hopefully, you'll save us. Lori's going to do a quick check of the news in about ten minutes. What are you working on for this hour?
4: Well, the one shot that you have to get, even if you're an anti-vaxxer, what shot do you need for your pet? And uh, actually, you should have all of their vaccines and the state with the most dog bites.
1: Okay, that is on the way. First, your calls. and We go to Chuck. Hey, Chuck, what's up?
10: Well, we have an old English sheepdog. She's approximately 12, 12 and a half years old. Mm-hmm. She's about 85, 90 pounds. Uh, everything about her is great except her back hips. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, I believe they're slowly deteriorating. Their legs go sideways everywhere, but the way they're supposed to. And they're, and they're okay. weak yet, if we lift her, she can walk and, and do her stuff and everything like that. And we do have her on uh, tri-buffered aspirin, one in the morning, afternoon, and night. And then we have her on, I believe it's pronounced cosequin, C-O-S-E-Q-U-I-N, using okay. David S.S.M., plus MSM, two tablets each morning. And we're just wondering if, you know, if we understand their age and et cetera. Just wondering if there's any other things we could be doing or medications we could be giving her, et cetera.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now I I will tell you that aspirin isn't my favorite for dogs just because it it has been shown pretty much even at normal everyday doses to cause little ulcers in the stomach, even if a pet doesn't get sick from it. So there are some good prescription products that I would substitute for that um, just because they have less tendency for some of that tummy upset um, issues. But besides that, definitely there's some things I would look at doing. Number one would be, I would look at getting your baby on a Fatty acid supplement because supplementing fatty acids or fish oils um, at higher doses actually has anti inflammatory properties. So, this is a nice natural thing that you can do. Um, I do like to look at the dosage of the fish oils, not just the total how many grams of fish oil. So, different kinds of fish have different kinds of uh, quantities of the different fatty acids. So, um, Mm -hmm. you might talk to your veterinarian, but we do base this off of the components the EPA and the DHA that are in the the fish oil and that's how we kind of calculate the dosage so you want to be a little bit more scientific than just throwing a you know fish oil tablet at you Mm -hmm. Um, but I would imagine about a thousand almost two thousand milligrams of EPA and DHA a day would be appropriate for your dog Um, so definitely I would add that in without a heartbeat and then the next thing that I'd look at um, with just that kind of medication choice it would be maybe looking at something else that's um, a well-tolerated pain reliever in older pets, and I have a almost 14-year-old Labrador that we're dealing with a lot of mobility issues, and um, she's on a couple of medicines that can be helpful on top of what you're already doing, and one of them is a drug called Tramadol. And it's a, a pain medicine and it's used in, it's in the opioid type family, but kind of on the lower end. So we don't really get gorped out dogs on this medicine. Um, and that's one thing that you can add in a couple times a day. And that can add another kind of boost into her comfort. Um, or in place of that, we can even use gabapentin, which for people is actually commonly used for seizures and and for some other types of pain disorders. So that's another alternative that we can what was do. What
11: the and, second one again, Please.
2: It's called gabapentin, and um, both of those um, are, like I said, pretty well tolerated, low side effects, and you can add them into your regimen that you're doing already. So I would definitely look at doing that. And uh, and then I always say keeping the baby in good weight always goes a long way, just to make sure that you know she's got her mobility and we're not adding making it harder for her to get around.
3: Okay.
2: So yeah, uh, obviously you know, you're doing I mean, something. You're, you're doing something right there, it. Chuck. Well, I mean, you've got her at, what, 12 years of age. Um, So I think that's you've done a lot for her to get to that point. And the reality is with a lot of the sheepdogs is that, yes, they do have problems with the hips. But they can even have problems with their lower spine. So some of the spinal issues may not be necessarily pain-responsive type things. Um, But, uh, you know, still, I, I would give all of this a good try. And then really just be watchful for, you know, her mobility, her ability to do her daily things things hiding mm-hmm. around, and uh, it sounds like you're you know you've got a good start and you can add a few things in.
10: Okay, well, thank you very much for your time and you have a
2: wonderful day. Thanks for
1: calling Chuck. Hey, don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
9: Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I'd just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals and for the environment.
7: or medicare you might be eligible for a cgm with little or no cost to you call u.s medical supply today for a free benefits check we offer free shipping 90 day supplies and we bill medicare or your insurance directly call now and say goodbye to finger pricks
8: 800-785-1673 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673.
12: Hey, this is Williams on Animal Radio, and you know what you got to do. Be good to your pets. Babe,
7: this is an Animal Radio News Update.
4: Well, just as there are anti-vaxxers who don't want to vaccinate their children, there are people out there who don't want to vaccinate their pets either, and it's becoming a problem. However, experts want you to know the bottom line truth here, and they say that is that your pets cannot get autism. And even if they could, vaccines do not cause it. Uh, The most common reasons that people give for not vaccinating their pet, about 20% of the people surveyed said that pet vaccinations are not necessary. But consider this, the most dangerous of all dog diseases by far is rabies, right? Which is effectively a death sentence for a dog because it's incredibly contagious. And any pet or animal that gets rabies is euthanized. For some, though, vaccines, other than the rabies vaccine, of course, tighter testing might be appropriate to determine if a vaccine can be skipped or maybe delayed. And some vets are willing to administer vaccines, except not including the rabies vaccine. Some vets will administer them in small doses, say a fifth of a vaccine dose given weekly over five weeks. But if you have a small dog, don't think that they can receive less amount of the vaccine than a larger dog would. As the experts point out, it is not a weight versus dose question. It, it's like humans, because when you go to the doctor, your small child and
2: you, you both get the same amount of
4: vaccine. It's, yeah, that's a great point. Lori.
2: It, it is. And, you know, I actually will refuse to give a fractional dose on a vaccine because they are not labeled efficacious at giving half or a third of the dose. And how how are we going to know if your pet is truly protected or not? You've just gotten a false sense. You vaccinated a pet for a disease that we may not protect them against and uh, they still can get a reaction. (laughs) So it's not like, you know, we're eliminating adverse events. Couldn't they get that
1: vaccine-induced sarcoma? Uh, And if you did it five times, wouldn't that increase the odds of that?
2: You know, that's a good point. And in cats, they're a little different. Any type of an injection can potentially cause an injection site sarcoma. Vaccination, certainly, there's the implication. So there's a lot of issues here. We probably don't have time to go through all of them. But in the volume situation, there is really um, immunologically, there's no difference between a Great Dane and a Chihuahua. So we give them the same dose immunologically. And not doing that is not following the label directions on the product. You know, Hal's bringing up a whole other thing that there's other types of side effects with vaccinations that um, giving smaller doses of that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have a vaccine-induced sarcoma. Um, But there are other things that we look at, like different components, like minimizing the load of vaccines on a a day or minimizing the components in a cat's vaccine. So we don't have maybe combo vaccines and we'll uh, kind of minimize the number of agents within there. Sorry, there's no. a lot of factors here, but um, you know I, I do think that this anti-vaccination movement—it's it, really to the detriment of, of pets. And yeah. I—we've been seeing distemper, we haven't seen since I've been in practice for over you know, right. 20 years, and now we're seeing more canine distemper again. Um, we've been seeing um, feline distemper, parvovirus, um, and it's these are diseases that you know we can control if um, you know people vaccinate their pets. Um, and pets are living in close proximity, so it's really very important to maintain these vaccines
1: yeah and we're seeing this with the human movement too of course and the latest news that there's over 100 cases of measles here in the u.s and in north america again because of anti-vaxxers but you know what i'm i'm one of those people that i'm not an anti-vaxxer i'm not a pro-vaxxer i think there's a happy medium somewhere in there by getting the things that you need to get
2: oh yeah absolutely and that's where i think um not having a discussion and saying that you're opposed to something is um, kind of putting the blinders on and not really becoming educated on what health threats your pet could be under. So, yeah, I think middle ground is always good. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime
4: at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update.
9: Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
10: Hi, this is Kreskin. Of course, you know me as the amazing Kreskin. And you're listening to me on Animal Radio. Don't forget to spade and neuter those loved ones which we've bonded with our pets.
3: Oh, what did he say?
13: He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere
2: you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio.
13: Good morning.
1: Good afternoon, Deborah. How are you doing?
13: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I have Dr. Debbie here. What's going on with your uh, cat, dog, what?
13: I have a dog. I have a seven-year-old golden retriever.
2: Okay, awesome.
13: I've I've had her since she was probably about eight weeks old. But for this past year, we have been having really bad problems with her and ear infections. I've taken her to the doctor about, you know, maybe monthly. They've put her on the antibiotics, the ear washes. And it'll improve while she's on the medication, but then as soon as she's off the medication, the symptoms come back again. Okay.
2: okay. So
13: I finally did a, um ear culture on my own because <laughs> I didn't recommend it, and it came back showing Pseudomonas aeruginosa. Yeah. And that was sensitive to everything, and then staph coagulase which was only sensitive to vancomycin, cefazolin, and Augmentin, and then also some gram-negative rods. So I've currently got her on another course of antibiotics. I've changed her foods four times because they were thinking maybe it might be allergy-related, but mm-hmm. you know, she's just so miserable with that ear, and I'm just trying to figure out a solution to get this ear infection under control.
2: Okay. All right. couple thoughts that I have right off the bat. With chronic ear infections, um, very commonly, and especially if you've got a culture and we've got some kind of crazy bugs in there, Uh um, number one thing I would do is I would want to do a deep ear flush and examine the deep part of your baby's ear canals. A lot of times we kind of try to treat ear infections by just squeezing ointments and putting washes in the ear. And it can be really challenging in dogs because their ear canal is very different than ours. Ours you can kind of poke your eardrum and you can see everything very easily. Dogs have that eardrum that goes down, um it has a vertical part and then a horizontal part. And you can't get down to the eardrum very well. So when we have a pet under anesthesia, it allows us to get all the garbage out, examine the eardrum because in some cases we can actually have infection trapped down by the eardrum or even behind the eardrum. So oh. um, doing it. A- doing a deep ear culture and flush would be important. So that would be one thing as far as a step of being more aggressive rather than just treating the outer part of the ear. Let's get down to the the nitty-gritty inside that ear. Make sure we're cleaning as best we can. that makes your home care more effective because you can apply things more directly to the ear canal. Um, You don't have all this other garbage in the way. Um, so that's one thought. And then definitely, you know, I, I'm glad you cultured, and I would like to see that being done just to even measure how well this ear is controlling. Because um, I've had dogs where they'll shift their, um, their population. So we may have completely, uh, say, m- maybe a yeast infection, and then it can shift completely to a bacterial infection or to a more resistant organism. So oh, okay. that is also important. Um, okay. And then making sure we're using uh, you know other uh, other avenues so orals plus topicals for me are very important so I'd I like to make sure we're tackling all bases there.
3: Oh
14: okay. Uh,
2: And let's see, in a retriever, um, I like the idea of a food allergy, making sure we're going with hypoallergenic diets um, because that can really make a big difference for these guys. And I see a ton of retrievers that their number one sign of food allergies are chronic recurrent ear infections. Oh, um, okay. So might be a matter of just looking at making sure we're using um, truly a hypoallergenic diet, so either a hydrolyzed protein diet or what we call a novel protein diet. Um, so not so simple as just saying I'm going to switch brands. Um, we oh, want to okay. make sure we're sticking with those routes and um, kind of a lengthy conversation about which different diets. But you can talk to your veterinarian about different uh, foods that are in both those groups that might be options for you. What
13: groups did you say again? A hydrolyzed? One is called
2: hydrolyzed protein diets, and that's basically where the proteins are still there. Say you, you know, maybe it's a chicken-based diet. Okay. Um, but the proteins go through our processing so that they're kind of sneak by the immune receptors in the gut so okay. they don't cause the immune effects in the body. And then the novel protein diets are the other group, and okay. that's where we look at kind of exotic things. Like, uh, you know, it used to be lamb and rice used to be exotic in the 80s. Now we look at things like duck, um, venison, even kangaroo Foods that the pet hasn't seen and their digestive tract hasn't seen. So it's kind of novel to them and oh, okay. uh, maybe less likely for a uh, dietary reaction. And do that for maybe, you know, six, eight weeks. And then we hope to see an improvement with some of those signs. And then the final thing that I'd say would be the homework, if they uh, haven't talked to you about, would be maybe seeing about sc- screening her thyroid level because that's another ongoing condition that can, we can commonly see ear infections kind of tag along. And especially in a retriever, I like to look for thyroid disease. Uh, it's very common in, uh, golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers. So, um, might be worth it. a little blood stick and check that out. So I hope those are some good ideas for you, Deborah. And uh, you know, I I feel your pain. I have a, a lab with some ear issues from time to time, so it is a bit of a, a chronic tackling and staying on top of things. So well, best wishes so to you. going to
13: address those issues with her veterinarian, especially having them screen for the thyroid.
2: Very good. Well, best wishes to you and your baby. Okay, thank you.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
9: This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio urging you to spay or neuter your pet.
7: or medicare you might be eligible for a cgm with little or no cost to you call u.s medical supply today for a free benefits check we offer free shipping 90 day supplies and we bill medicare or your insurance directly call now and say goodbye
8: to finger pricks 800-785-1673 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673.
9: I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and adopt from your local shelter.
0: Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: If you could see Judy right now screening all 17 lines that we have here, you have a bunch of calls set up there for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani in just a couple of minutes.
5: I know it looks chaotic, but I've got it all organized. I yeah. know the callers. There's, I know who's in queue. I know who's been waiting the longest. There's a
1: method to your madness, huh?
5: Yeah, there is.
10: Hi, Elliot. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right.
1: What's going on with your pet? Dr. Debbie's right here.
10: Well, okay, hi, Well, he's two and a half year old chihuahua. He's got a little bit of mini pin in him, in about an day. sixteen. But uh, all his life, his stools have been
12: kind of thin
10: and watery, or, or I call it uh, slimy. Uh, he got spoiled on people food, and I'm trying to get him back on regular dog food. Okay. It used to be if you could let him go hungry enough, he would start eating his dog food again.
2: And he's been throwing up. Ah, oh, Okay. Wow, we got a lot going on there, Elliot. And when you say slimy poops, he's always been that way. I mean, has that, have you varied his diet? Has he, was that when he was on predominantly dog food?
10: Uh, yeah, it was, well, actually, we got him when he was 10 weeks old. My son had him. And evidently, they started him on dog and people food from day one.
2: Mm-hmm. And
10: I'm trying to get him to get back on regular dog food. But yeah, his food's been slimy pretty much all his life.
2: Okay, you know what that really bothers me when I hear that he's always had some digestive disturbance if he's always had loose poop and now intermittent vomiting, oh gosh, you know I'm gonna say that that this is really a health problem we're talking about and not so much just a diet preference issue um the reason being is that we humans unknowingly create medical problems for our pets, and a great way to do that is to feed table food, and I can tell you I had a good t- intention pet owner just the other day fed prime rib to his pet, and wouldn't you know, vomiting and diarrhea ensued. It's not that it's a bad kind of meat. It's not that it was undercooked. It's just dogs thrive best digestively when they're on a consistent, stable diet. When we give them things that we eat, we're varying their diet from day to day, and even from hour to hour, so it's best to try to stick to that food. Um, right. Now, the first thing I'm going to say is with that chronic digestive disturbance, I am going to, if he were here in my office, I would be doing fecal tests and I would be doing blood work on him and parasite tests because all of these things can cause chronic problems. And if we're not addressing that, all of my recommendations for trying to get him to eat a certain food are just going to be, is worth as worthless as a piece of paper so um that's very important and if you haven't already done a good examination and concern with your veterinarian i'm going to recommend that and come armed with poop sample in hand to your veterinary visit for a concern like this it it, it helps tremendously to have that poop information up front and uh, visible for the veterinarian to look at so that's your first part of your homework there um yeah, I'm now a
10: driver. i'm over the road I'm going to have to try and get home or find a vet somewhere out here on the road. Uh,
2: Yes, absolutely. I'm worried about it.
10: He's my little baby.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, with traveling, that does open up a whole additional uh, can of worms, if you will, as far as when it comes to things like parasites and intestinal worms. So if you're traveling a lot all across the country, and he's going with you, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay, so you know this this fellow more than any other dog, a traveling pet needs to be on regular heartworm preventative and regular deworming for internal parasites. If you're not already on that, that too will kind of give you extra weight that get get him to the veterinarian because we need to be doing that for his health mm-hmm. and preventative care. He's
10: um, for another heartworm pill and. Uh... Uh, I haven't de learned him in a while. I guess I should start doing that you know, before I get
2: to him. Absolutely. Now, and then I guess if we could fast-forward and say his health is good and we're just looking at how do we get a picky eater to eat, uh, there's a lot of tips there, and it's hard if us humans complicate the situation by feeding from the table or feeding treats. So some general strategies are to set the food down, keep it down for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then to remove it for a picky eater. We, that would be very important to set a mealtime strategy and get the pet in the mindset that this is when food is offered and this is when it goes away if he knows an hour later you're going to give him something off the, off of your plate mm, he's he's going to hold out for that and dogs will go three days or more without eating just with the battle of wills and yeah. uh, you have to de- kind of design your line in the sand for everyone it's different for me it's three days and that's how long i will go without a pet eating barring that they're in good health and everything else is fine. And, um, you know, if you stick to that tough love, you can do it. Now, the other things you can do would be to increase the, the dog's exercise. Um, more exercise, the more calories you burn, the more you're going to eat. Unfortunately, it is true, and all of us people trying to lose weight, that you don't want to hear that, but it does rev your metabolism, so getting some daily exercise is important. And then setting up some structure to the feeding time, so we're going to talk about setting the time, but also certain bowls. Some pets prefer plates, some prefer bowls, some just like to eat off of a dog mat, so you have to find what is best for your dog, what they like, and to really reward the eating behavior. So that means we don't want to reward the lack of eating which many humans do where we we baby talk the dog, "Oh, good doggy, good doggy, good doggy." But they're not doing anything good. They're sitting there staring at a full bowl and not eating. So you want to right. reward your dog when he's eating and and hold back that praise when he's not and uh, Uh, work on those diet strategies there. But I would say that I think a good health exam and maybe even a special diet uh, for potential uh, food allergies and such might be in your doggie's reality here if we can uh, get you lined up with your veterinarian and then working on some of these behavioral tips there. Good luck with that, Elliot.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
9: This is Joyce
7: DeWitt on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your
3: animals.
7: Thank you. Start your dog's
1: daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup, in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables. The tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at redbarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase.
0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: If you're just now joining us, uh, good timing. An amazing hour coming up. We're going to be talking to actress and model Katie Cleary in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. All throughout the show, I've been giving you little tidbits from the Wampley survey of animals. Uh, they did a bunch of surveys about what are the busiest days, how much we spend on our animals. We found out last hour that one of the top days for veterinarians is just before 4th of July. I figured now I've got days ge-
4: like a busy day
1: most busy days and okay. uh Dr. Debbie says for her personally it's just right after 4th of July and I can understand I can see that. yeah that,
2: that, that seems to make more sense to me yeah well I'm not gonna- but you know before 4th of July would be all those people getting sedatives and trying to get into your bed ah, there you go okay and I guess
5: people do go on vacation so they go away earlier so they're at that destination so they're on the road traveling beforehand
1: on this survey is the top busiest days for pet stores. Those are pretty easy, right? We can guess those, right?
5: Probably right around the holidays.
1: Right around Christmas. Yeah. Uh, December 22nd, the busiest day for sure. pet stores. Right. And that's, you know, right up against the holiday there. They, uh, they figure that last minute uh, toys for the dogs, right? And, exactly. and the cats.
4: Procrastinating pet owners. Yep.
1: Uh, the second is the uh, week before Christmas, the 21st, and then uh, before Easter, the day before Easter. The middle of December and then March 10th for some strange reason. I don't know what <laughs> that's, that's odd. What that's about. But your average pet store during that will make between two and three thousand dollars a day. And the and the stores that make the most money. What cities do you think they're in? Well, Baltimore, Maryland tops the charts for the most that we spend Woo-hoo! at a pet store. I would
5: have said L.A.
1: Would you actually? California doesn't even show up in the top five. It, it's wow. Seattle, Nashville, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Richmond, Virginia. Wow. And this of course yeah, I would
4: have thought Seattle because yeah, would of all you? the tech dogs up there. Yeah, there
1: are see, a lot I would have of, thought
4: yeah. like Portland and Denver. Yeah, no, no.
1: We all spend a lot of money on our animals, and in fact, if you're listening right now, it's because you love your animals a little more than uh, most people. Okay, we're gonna head to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Lori, what are you working on for this hour?
4: Well, the Centers for Disease Control has another another one, a pet warning about a pet that carries salmonella.
1: Let's take a call for Dr. Debbie. We have Joseph on the phone. Hey, Joseph. Welcome to Animal Radio. Hi. Where are you calling Hi. from?
12: I'm um, I, I in Cottonwood, California right now. I'm a truck driver.
1: Truck driver. Okay. Well, drive carefully, please. What's going uh, on?
12: No, I'm, I'm parked. But Good. I have, a, I have a Jack Russell, and um, he he's had a couple times in the last few weeks where he's uh, gotten up, and he started, get, he started shaking, and he kind of, I guess last night my wife said he fell over and uh, couldn't get back up. And then it, it just went away after a minute or so, and he was fine.
2: Okay. And has that been something that's just been recently that's come on, or has he done that for a
11: while?
12: No, this is, the first time this happened was uh, on New Year's Eve, and okay. then it happened again the other night. So twice, that's the first time we've ever noticed
2: this. Okay, and what does he do when he has this? Does he actually lose any control of his urine? Does he defecate, or does he just kind of fall over?
12: Uh, he, well, the first time he didn't fall over. second time my wife said he did, but no, he doesn't, nothing like that, no. He just kind okay. of loses his balance, and he's, like, shaky.
2: Okay, and any kind of association to what he's doing right prior to this? Is he eating, sleeping, playing, doing anything unusual right, right before the episodes?
12: Well, um, the first time he was in his bed, my daughter said he, he kind of jumped up out of his bed right before it happened. And okay. uh, the second time, I think my wife said he was over by his bed. So okay. he might have been sleeping both times.
2: Okay. And, you know, at this point, I'd say we may have a challenge determining exactly what is causing the episodes. But there's there's basically a couple main things. Number one would be that we could be actually having a form of a seizure disorder. Because um, not every seizure looks like that typical epileptic seizure that you may be familiar with. Um, some seizures can be very mild for dogs where they can just have a trembling of one body part or they can even stare off into space. So something like this where he's kind of having combination of issues of having some trembling as well as kind of falling down, that would have to be high on my list of concerns is that we could have a seizure. And the causes of seizures can be a lot, um, everything from epilepsy to toxins, to liver disorders to blood sugar issues so there can be definitely a lot of causes within that diagnosis now there are also pets that can have uh what we call syncopal episodes and that can sometimes be from heart problems so even well, if a pet does go ahead the the
12: one time when i was home um i had after he started acting you know kind of shaky i kind of picked him up and I, you know i put my hand under his chest and i could feel his heart really racing Mm-hmm. it was it was really pounding, you know, so it was like you was scared or something,
2: sure, sure and um the the challenge with the heart related problems is that sometimes that can be a little harder to pick up. We might have to do something like an EKG um, or even a, a chest X-ray or an ultrasound to find out a little bit more about that. Um, but I think the big thing is that we we do need to start getting some diagnostic tests to figure out what direction we're going. Um, because there are some pets that these episodes will get worse and worse, more frequent, and we may need to get them on some medication if we're dealing with a seizure type disorder. If we're dealing more with a heart based problem. Diagnosis is going to be key because the last thing we would want to do is give him an anti-seizure medicine if he's got a bum heart and we've got a, a rhythm problem with his heart. So um, that, that has a totally different kind of approach to things. So I think that this is the time when I talk about getting him into the vet. And it's ideal if we can get a pet that just has the episode and we get him to the vet when they're actually coming out of it. Because sometimes um, when blood work is, we're talking about that, that's when sometimes we'll pick up some different changes on lab work or even with a heart tracing that might not be there at other times okay. can't always ask them to do that right before you go to the vet but um it just it it works out um to give us the most information if, if we catch a pet when they're having one or coming out of one of these episodes
3: okay all right yeah. well thank you
2: Okay. And I, I certainly hope that, um, you know, we can get a handle on these things. And there are some, you know, situations where not everyone can do a lot of tests, do a lot of, I, I know people probably say, Doc, you always talk about doing tests and I just don't have the money for it. I'd have to say that there's a lot of very simple things and they all basically start with a physical exam. So the doctor's ears, eyes, and nose, believe it or not, the nose is very valuable in many cases, um, can really help us make some of those determinations and pick what test might be the most useful to, to get that answer and sometimes it's trying different things and trying different medications so um use that teamwork approach with your vet and and you'll get to the bottom of things so thank you All for right. your call and thank i hope you. the little guy i hope he does well um love the little terriers uh, i'm a terrier fan myself now this is dr. <laughs> dr debbie and we're waiting for your call hey
1: alan welcome to the show
2: yeah my name is doctor
1: what's going on alan
2: yeah my mom. Dog was
12: following my mom yesterday, like vacuuming. And my mom was vacuuming yesterday, and her dog got something in her eye, in the dog's eye.
2: Like and the her. dog died.
1: Oh, uh, in the dog's eye.
2: Oh, in the dog's eye. The oh eye, my I, gosh. Okay. And so, what is the dog you doing right now?
13: The dog is
12: like, like try to like get something out of the dog's eye. It's not getting out. And
2: then okay. my mom is, it- is wondering what should she do to get it out. Okay. So um, he's rubbing at the eye, scratching at the eye? Yeah. Okay. And is he squinting in it and holding it closed? Yeah. Okay. The the first thing I'm going to tell you is that anytime a dog has um, squinting in the eye, that means there's there's pain there. So there's discomfort. So my best recommendation is to get him evaluated by a veterinarian because we want to make sure he doesn't have any kind of abrasion on his eye, uh, which would be termed a corneal ulcer. Um, So that's the hard thing. When you have a squinting eye, you can have that from pain of any sort. Um, But an ulcer can be very serious. So we don't want to delay that and um, do home care if we're in that level of discomfort for the eye um now certainly in the short term the things i would do um in any emergency kit for people at home with dogs when we're talking about eyes i want some contact saline rinse that you would use for your um Your family members that might have contacts, you can use that as an eye irrigating solution to loosen things that might be under the eyelids or any kind of particulates, any kind of dust or anything like that that might be in the eye. That's perfectly safe for dogs to use that. Um, Now, that being said, you can also use things like um, artificial tears that are also sold in the contact uh, contact lens aisle. Um, Refresh brand tears is just one of the types of tears that you can put in to help kind of make the eyes feel more comfortable. But that's a short-term thing. If that baby's eye is red, squinting, and we're uncomfortable, you really need to get the baby into the veterinarian, and very likely, we'd want to do something called a corneal stain, and it's a type of a stain technique that we put um, this dye on the eye, and it helps to outline any kind of scratches or ulcers that could be on the surface of the eye. Um, if we have something like that, there's a certain regimen, certain type of treatment that needs to be done so that's why it's so important to see your vet if we're in that kind of category of things Um, and definitely I'd say at this point you said this is already the day later that the eye is he's still squinting
11: yeah yeah,
2: so I, I'd say uh, you know that would definitely be a timeline that I'd, I'd get the baby to the veterinarian. I just don't like there's some situations where it's good and there's a lot of tips you can do at home, but there's that point where we cross the line where we are maybe not doing the pet the best by them if we're delaying seeing the veterinarian. And, and I'd have to say this this warrants a call uh, to get the baby in. So tell your mama that I said.
1: <laughs> Gotta go. Thanks for your okay. thanks for your call, Alan.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
10: Hey, everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say, you, right now, want to take... Wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels... I just and, had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, go
3: don't ahead, do that. Don't, that don't
1: do that. Time. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels Animal Radio.
10: You've got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio, and take care of your pets It will rock your
4: world. Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings, the added functional ingredients make Red Barn Dry Dog Foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to redbarn.com to use the promo Animal Radio for 10% off your first bag.
0: Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: Okay, now let's see. We just had a call for Dr. Debbie about panting, a dog that was panting. And now in response, we have Susan on the phone. Hi, Susan. How are you?
11: Good afternoon. I'm fine. Thank you. Where
1: where are you calling from? Uh, Indiana. Indiana. Well, thank you so much for listening. Of course, that's the hometown of our Dr. Debbie. Where where in Indiana were you uh, raised? Uh, Terre Haute. Where?
3: Hey,
2: okay, Terre Haute. I'm from Hammond, Indiana.
11: Okay, just up the road a piece. Yeah, (laughs) I like that, up the road a piece. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I like, those like those to say
2: everybody drives through my hometown if you're going through the uh, uh, Illinois, Indiana exchange, and in there uh, goes right by Pretty my. House. <laughs> yeah.
11: Yes,
1: okay. So, what's uh, so what you, you had a comment about somebody that called in about their panting dog a few minutes ago? What?
11: Yes, a, a gentleman was talking about his dog panting and didn't really know why it was panting because it wasn't hot and he had water and all that sort of thing. And I just was suggesting that I had heard uh, probably a year or so ago a report of some research that had been done on dogs panting and uh, suggested that not all panting is due to heat or stress or uh, fear, but it can also be a form of laughter for dogs. Uh, There's uh, apparently some difference in the sound waves when they analyze them, and indeed it showed that uh, not all panting is the same. Wow. Have you ever heard of this, doctor?
2: You know, I have heard of it. Um, it it's kind of older news that I had heard about. but um, And certainly there's, I think there's different contexts that we can look at and when a pet is panting. Um, and I would also kind of base that along with, um, I think they were looking at shelter dogs that were, um, they were assessing panting and, and whether it was associated with play. Um, mm-hmm. So when, when I have a pet that's, um, that we're trying to evaluate what's the cause of the panting, I look at the whole picture, um, you know, what is the pet doing at that time. If they're resting quietly, there's no interactions going on, there's no um, mental, physical stimulation, no noises, um, and they're sitting there panting at rest, um, then it really makes me cause to challenge is there a medical cause for that versus a pet who's sitting while the family's watching tv or they're playing with a toy and they're panting and they have a joyous look on their face um Mm -hmm. and they're in a relaxed body posture so um yeah i I think there's certainly uh, different things that dogs do in nonverbal ways that we really don't understand and we do our best to try to uh, anthropomorphize (laughs) it
11: yeah yeah (laughs) well what had occurred to me is it's been Several years ago and and a previous dog I had a rescued Airedale and it was middle of winter uh, later in the evening she was lying there in the living room, not hurting from anything that I at least was aware of or that she at any time thereafter doctored for and she was panting. I thought you can't be hot and you know I went through all that checklist of things, and so really couldn't figure out why she might be panting did
1: Did and you then, tell her a joke <laughs>
11: No. Uh, Maybe she was just looking at me and that was enough. I don't know. But um, I, I couldn't attribute her panting at that time to anything else. And then it was shortly thereafter that I heard this little research thing that had gone on but uh, yeah. I just thought it was kind of interesting.
1: That is interesting. This is the first time I've heard of it and Judy has just pulled up a web page here which oh it includes some audio. How cool is that? Okay, so we'll play a dog laughing here in a second as soon as we get that audio up. Animal behaviorist Patricia Simone of Sierra Nevada College she did research on this and she found that yes indeed dogs are capable of laughing and they typically do so when they're playing. Mm-hmm. And oh, look, there's instructions here how to make your dog laugh. Seriously, they, they're on the level. Really? They're on the level. I, you know what? Can we put a link to the, to our website? Okay, we'll put a link over at animalradio.pet on how to uh, make your dogs laugh. You know, well, my
5: dog has a sense of humor. I know that. Yeah? Yeah. So sh- why couldn't she laugh?
1: Sure, sure. Why? Not? Can we play that audio of the dog laughing? Can we? That sounds like panting. Yeah, it it does. Does.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. that's
2: yeah to me that sounds like a dog that's you know ready to chase that next tennis ball that you just thrown and that's all <laughs> <they end> up <laughs> and excited so and I think that's where you know I, I can visually put that a very different picture than a, a geriatric dog laying on the floor panting while everyone's like watching you know deal or no deal in the evening <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you for calling Susan. we appreciate that sure toll free one 405 8405 to reach out to the dream team right now
5: see i know ladybug has a sense of humor because when i tell her to go in her crate she looks at me and gets that look in her eye and then she falls over and plays dead <laughs> so she has a sense of humor
4: <laughs> i think that sounds like a, an alarm clock on a hyperactive battery
0: oh if this was only tv folks actually probably good that it isn't you're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
11: And now an Animal Radio news brief. I'm
13: Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. Mr. Ed would have a lot to say on this matter. A horse called Scuppy bit a kid in the face, and a Connecticut court has concluded that horses are a naturally vicious species and therefore Scuppy's owners should have restrained the horse who had never bitten anybody before to prevent the injury while well, horse owners and equine enthusiasts are asking the state supreme court to overturn that decision classifying horses as vicious would make owning the animals uninsurable and it would jeopardize the state's profitable horse industry You know what? Horses are so far from vicious. They're scared of even a fly. I know my horse is scared of, like, cats. As soon as it sees this cat, she jumps uh, sideways 500 feet, and it scares me. They're probably going to overturn that, I think. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com.
11: This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and
6: Cynthia Rogers
11: on Animal Radio.
6: Just know that it's going to be all right meow.
14: (laughs) All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit fidofriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's fidofriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and
7: leave no dog behind. This is an animal radio news update.
4: And I'm Laurie Brooks. The Centers for Disease Control has once again issued a warning that recent cases of salmonella have been linked to pet hedgehogs, which have gained a lot of popularity. And the CDC is warning pet owners to take lots of precautions to avoid infection because this time, a total of 17 people ranging in age from 2 to 95 across 11 states have fallen ill with salmonella. But a common supplier of these affected hedgehogs has not yet been identified. Uh, The salmonella bacteria, by the way, are found in a hedgehog's feces and can often end up on their bodies or in their enclosures. So because of that and keeping that in mind, here's what the Centers for Disease Control recommends if you have a hedgehog. Always, always wash your hands thoroughly after handling or if you handle anything that came from a hedgehog's enclosure. And if you did, uh, you should actually wash the hedgehog's enclosure down outside with soap and water, but using a hose, but definitely outside. They say never snuggle or kiss a hedgehog. Now, That would be hard if you had a a pet that you really love to not kiss it. But um, it could be dangerous because that can bring the salmonella germs directly to your face and basically pretty much yeah. implanting that bacteria in your mouth and yes, in, into your system. Can I
1: throw one more tip in? It's free. You know, there's no charge for it. Keep your hedgehogs out of your mouth. That's uh, that's another way to avoid the salmonella. Just yeah, That's free. That's, that's a free, free tip. Thank you. Yeah. Oh.
4: What would we do without you? Yeah. And if you have a hedgehog, I have cats and I admit I've... Uh, My cats roam the counters if they want. Uh, If you have a hedgehog, don't let them on the counter. Anywhere that food is prepared or stored, because that, again, will be infected with the salmonella. And then when you eat whatever was prepared on that surface, you're just implanting it in your body. Okay? Okay. All right. The U.S. Agriculture Department. This is good news. Sad story, but good news. They say they have stopped their government program that literally injected diseases into cats before they were euthanized. The department's Agricultural Research Service now says the toxoplasmosis experiments on cats and kittens have been quote, discontinued and will not be reinstated. The the protocol involved giving cats toxoplasmosis was basically, they say, so that scientists could study the foodborne illness because cats, it, it comes out to be that cats are the only host in which toxoplasmosis can complete its life cycle and produce eggs, and all of that allowed researchers to obtain more information because you know, how it affects humans. Oh, but it's done. It's over now. A couple in North Carolina got a cute puppy. And, you know, now, of course, the puppy's famous because the puppy quickly appointed himself as the seeing-eye puppy for their 11-year-old golden retriever who had already lost both of his eyes because his glaucoma pain was so severe. They named the puppy Maverick. He came to their family back in January, so just a few months ago, while Charlie, the older golden and now blind dog, was not very excited to have a puppy in the house in the beginning. But that all changed. Maverick, the puppy, soon appointed himself as Charlie's protector. The owners say that that when the two would play, Maverick the puppy would realize that Charlie had lost the toy that they were playing with and, you know, couldn't find it. So Maverick would go and pick it up for him, put it right back down in front of Charlie's face so that he could re-engage him in playtime. Very cute. (laughs) cute. So they posted these on social media, and of course everybody goes, oh, and falls in love, including me, Uh and they have their own page on Instagram now. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime, always at AnimalRadio.com.
7: This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
0: Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Okay, we'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. During the commercial break, we were telling Ladybug all kinds of jokes just to try to get her to laugh. And uh, I think we need to go through the instructions here that we have for making them laugh because they are... Uh, they are very real. We'll post them at the website if you want to try to make your dog laugh. Are they detailed? Wait, there... you got to laugh first, apparently. Oh, okay. It, you know what? I'm not going to argue with science here. I'm just going <laughs> to post it over at the website and and uh, you try at home. If, in fact, if you get your dogs to laugh, call us, especially if they're la- when they're laughing.
5: Yeah. Well, videotape it. Videotape. Know, there you Audio go. and get, video on it. Yeah. Video.
1: Pull out your phone immediately when your dog is laughing. Yes. And send it to us. Okay. Your voice at animalradio.com.
2: I can see my dog is going to actually do an eye roll if I do all of these (laughs) antics and and I'll get that on video of my dogs going, Oh, forget it, Ma.
1: (laughs) Uh, Joining us right now is Katie Cleary. She's an amazing model. You've seen her on America's next top model in the first season. Not only beauty, but brains, too. She's graduated college with a bachelor's degree in business and marketing. She uh, landed a role in Deal or No Deal and a list, a resume, a CV that goes on for days. But her main passion is advocating for animal welfare issues, and she joins us right now. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Hi.
14: How are you guys?
1: Very good. Do you have a dog?
14: Oh, I've got 12 animals. I've 12. got nine cats and three dogs. Holy yeah. Wow.
1: Have you ever seen your dogs <laughs> or cats laugh before?
14: Oh, yes. Oh, my God. They laugh at me all the time. <laughs> they're so funny. They really are, especially Charlie, my first dog. He just looks at me, kind of does the head tilts, and like, what are you doing? It's just, it's, they're hysterical. They really are.
1: Well, I would imagine with so many animals that you're constantly cleaning up.
14: Oh, it's literally like three hours a day. I spend about like an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half at night. So the kitty litter, you name it. I mean, literally everything. It's, uh, yeah. They're they're not the cleanliest animals, but it's it's worth it.
1: Oh, <laughs> so so animals. worth it. So so worth yeah, it's it. Worth they're, it. Worth it. Do you have a, a partner or a spouse?
14: You know what? Um, not right now. Not right now. But you never know.
1: I was going <laughs> to ask. I wasn't inquiring. I'm a married man, but I I was inquiring <laughs> to see how, what they thought of your. Uh... Your menagerie of animals. Oh
14: my gosh! Well, you know, a lot of my friends are like, "Wow, twelve animals—that's a lot." But yeah, I do have people helping me, so which is which is great. My foundation and um, everything—they all, you know, come by and you know watch the cats and the dogs and walk them, and you know, they really do a great job. So yeah.
1: Well, you've jumped into the animal welfare head first. You're you're doing all kinds of things.
14: Yeah, yeah. Well, I started when I was about 11, 12 years old, and um, my mom and I would rescue kittens and bottle feed them, and we would, you know, squirrels, you name it, birds that would fall from the nest, you know, we would rehabilitate them and then re-release the wild animals back into the wild, and then uh, find fosters and and forever homes for the kittens. So um, I grew up, you know, rescuing and saving animals, and actually we had um, a vet, a family vet growing up, a family friend, so, you know, it was really convenient, so any injured animal we just take directly to him. Them. He would, you know, uh, rehab them, and then, you know, we would do our part and then re-release them. So it was it was pretty amazing. I always knew I wanted to get involved in animal welfare. I just didn't know to what capacity. So I started in entertainment at a really young age, 11, 12. And then um, kind of in the middle of that, um, I worked with um, on a campaign for World Wildlife Fund for tiger conservation. And at the time, it was only 5,000 tigers, and now there's only 2,500 tigers left oh. in the wild. Um, so, you know, it's, um, right now we're, you know, you're, we're in the sixth mass extinction, so my, my passion has always been endangered species and how to prevent extinction of endangered species and big cats and elephants and rhinos. So, um, you know, it's, it's always been my passion, and, you know, rather than being a zoologist or a veterinarian, I kind of utilize entertainment as that platform to raise awareness for animal welfare through legislation, through films, through my news network. You know, uh, we, we work on a lot of issues.
1: What's Peace for Animals? That's your organization, Right.
14: Yeah, so I started Peace for Animals in 2012 and we've done a myriad of campaigns. We've rescued farm animals, we rescue, you know, um dogs from, you know, the sadly the kill list at shelters cuz you know, there's so many animals that are so adoptable but a lot of people are afraid to go in shelters as you know to rescue them. So, um you know, we'll we'll pull them and then rehabilitate them and then find them a good home. So, we actually just did that a couple days ago with a husky um at at a, the Downey shelter. So, you know, uh, we do everything. We do campaigns. We support legislation. Um, we, I produced a film on Netflix called Give Me Shelter about animal welfare. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, and then the second one we just finished called We Are One. So um, it'll be a, the follow-up to Give Me Shelter, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be on Netflix.
1: If people want to learn more about what you're doing, is there a website? How can people get your newsletter or any, any of that information?
14: Yeah, just go to worldanimalnews.com, and um, in every day we do uh, three to, to five articles, depending on you know today. I think we have about three up. Um, there's one about the Russia releasing the beluga whales. I don't know if you heard about that one that were held captive, and um, a couple other ones about um, a zoo in, in Puerto Rico. So we we highlight you know worldwide. We have partners around the world do a lot of anti poaching in Africa as well, um, you know anti poaching um, support, anti poaching on the ground. Um, actually, a, a women's um coaching team in Zimbabwe. So um, that's one of our main partners. So, you know, we kind of, um, we're all over all over the place, all over the board. <laughs> mm. We highlight everything. Do you uh, allow all
1: the animals uh, free roam of the house? Are they allowed in bed with you at night? Uh, or
3: do they? Have... Oh, yeah. Really?
14: We're all snuggling, all snuggling. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the cats are difficult, though. The cats, you know, they're nocturnal, so they keep you up. But the dogs are definitely right by me all
1: the time. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We appreciate it.
14: Yeah, thank you.
1: Okay, the website, peaceforanimals.net, and that's the number four. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. We'll head back to the phones next.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
10: This is Fred Willard on Animal Radio, and I'm I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go.
1: Okay, yes, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studios stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com.
0: Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet.
1: Oh, how cool is that? You can get Dr. Debbie's advice today without getting the cold she has because you'll be on the phone with her hundreds of miles <laughs> away and... Uh... All of us in the studio will be sick next week. You poor girl. Well, you're around a lot of people, but you got a little head cold today. Is that what's happening?
2: Yeah, yeah. Just a a little cold slash combo of allergies. So, you know, I feel like one of those poor kitties that comes into my office with a congested nose and is. (laughs) can't breathe. And we're all sitting there going, oh, yeah, they can't eat because they can't smell. Well, yeah, I can agree to that. You know, nothing tastes good because when you can't breathe... You can't smell, so it really helps me better understand, you know, dogs and cats when they have a lot of congestion um, and how mm. they just don't want to eat. You know? That
5: never stopped
1: me. Yep, yep.
2: <laughs> well, could you
1: please wear this mask for the rest of the show? Is that
2: okay? Yeah, I will be considerate, and I don't—I have little Lysol wipes, so that's fine. Okay. I'm not offended.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, well, I love the, that about you. Isn't she's very considerate? She's yep. a giver. Yeah, she really is. Uh, there, which is that the hotline? Is that the hotline right now? Is ringing? Oh, the boss is calling! Holy moly, we've done something wrong. How I think. Are you? <laughs> okay, we better go to the to the other phone line. Hi, Marie.
9: Hi there. How are you? Very
1: good. Where are Hello. you calling from today?
9: Reading, Pennsylvania.
1: Love Reading. WeeU, our affiliate there. That's,
9: yes, that's correct.
1: I have Doctor Debbie right here. Come on over, Doctor Debbie.
9: Hey, Hi, Doctor Debbie. I'm calling because I have a new rescue pup, and I even have what they call the break break fast bowl and okay, yeah. she just takes down chows down this food and it's small kibbles like you would not believe and i'm wondering what i can do to to stop that because i'm afraid it's not good for her and i'm afraid she's going to get um i think i think i'm trying to think of the terminology when a dog ingests food and they don't um they don't chew it well
2: we do worry about bloat if a pet eats really. Bloat fast and that's the themselves. right word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, is she currently having any health problems with it, or you're just being cautious and, and being proactive?
9: Well, I'm I'm being proactive about it, and I and I tr- and I to be honest with you, I'm lifting her face even away from this bowl because I'm afraid that she's going to throw up because she just ingests she she ingests like like she's never eaten before.
2: And she's how old? One to one and a half. Okay. And is she the only dog in your
9: home? I do have another dog, yes, and that other dog is eight. Yes. Okay.
2: And are they fed together out of the same bowl, different bowls? Oh,
9: they're fed out of different bowls, absolutely, yes.
2: Okay, good. All right. Well, the first thing that I'll say is that there is definitely, it's well recognized that sometimes pets that are adopted or that come from, Oh, tough beginnings it can sometimes have issues with food when it comes to eating and eating it all up very fast mm-hmm. um, okay. some of it we don't know what experiences you know the pet had on the road uh, beforehand exactly. but it can can leave some impact mentally so some some tips definitely that um, that bowl that you're referring to is kind of a cool bowl that um, some people make their own at home but it's actually a pre-made bowl that has little like uh, pegs that kind of sit up yes. stick up from the bottom yes. of the bowl so the idea it slows down how fast the pet can ingest the food from the bowl. Uh, Some people will just overturn cups and put them inside the bowl, and you can do the same thing at home. But if we're still doing uh, that behavior, um, the other strategies that we can try now, (laughs) it doesn't work for every dog. Some dogs I will try to switch them over to free feeding or open feeding because part of the concern is that, oh, my God, this food's going to be gone and I'm not going to have any. Okay. Um, It only works for certain dogs, and I usually prefer it to be in a single-dog home um, because then we have less worry about resource competition. Um, trying to eat your food really fast so the other dog can't get to it.
9: Well, the other dog doesn't go anywhere near her bowl. She goes near the other dog's bowl
2: sure sure (laughs) and what we have to recognize is that she for whatever reason has concerns about that food not being there um when she gets back or that it's going to be taken away from her so um we need to do whatever we can to reassure her of that so um a lot of times i'll try to practice uh Quiet behaviors before feeding just to kind of help resume some control and to decrease the pet's anxiety. So something simple like saying, okay, the food's sitting in front of you. Let's practice a sit or a shake paw, and then you give a command to say, okay, it's all right to eat. Um, That helps to kind of connect the dog to say, all right, everything's okay. The food's there, and it kind of diverts the mind. So that's one just training thing. But otherwise, other strategies, we can go to giving food in other ways so that she has to kind of work for it. Um, There's a lot of different toys out there, uh, the Kong toys, the Busy Buddy toys, where you can put the actual pet's food inside toy items, and it gives them something to do, gives them a little more time um, to ingest the food, and it kind of makes it a little bit more interactive and fun, so that's one way also to kind of make mealtime stretch out a little bit and to make it a little bit more fun. I've had some folks hiding food in the house. Um, You just got to watch for that really determined dog, like probably my Labrador, that would probably eat um, through furniture under carpet to get to the food, so... Okay. Um, but I think that, you know, that and just being patient uh, and uh, giving her a little extra time, uh, being watchful for your other dog, because even if the other dog isn't physically going into that bowl, sometimes uh, that psychological just fear yeah. or stress that the other dog might. So you may consider feeding them separately just to kind of ease her mind.
9: Okay. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you, Maureen, for your so call. All right. Okay. Bye,
3: bye. Well, it has
1: just flown by once again. It is time for us to get on out of here. We're all going to walk our animals, our our flamingos, our iguanas, and all. The, except Dr. Debbie, she's going home, and she's going to go get some sleep. Poor girl. Hello. She needs-
2: could get my jammies.
1: Yeah. And um, if you want some good reading during the week, check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, and Mini Schnauzers, all four separate books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And you can get links to those over at our website at animalradio.pet. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here.
4: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hope you're feeling better. We're going to pick up dog poop. This is Animal Animal Radio
3: Network. Network.